His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Yes, I am. I choose joy. <laughs> All right, I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you for worship this morning. Thank you for coming and meeting us. Your presence is so sweet. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just ask you that you would speak through me, that what you want me to share would come out. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so I'm going to share this morning on the difference between confidence and identity and kind of my testimony with both of it. And so I'm going to start off with a scripture. First um, John 3, 1 through 2. This is the Passion Translation. <coughs> Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. The reason the world does not recognize who we are is that they didn't recognize him. Beloved, we are God's children right now. However, it is, it is not yet apparent what we will become, but we know that when it is final, finally made visible, we will be just like him for what he truly is. And so the Lord, through that scripture, was showing me that the world might not see us as his children, but that's our identity, is his children. And that is, that is how he sees us. That is our identity. And so, yeah. Um, so back in 2015, I think it was, I was working. I was cutting wood, and I got in an argument with a log splitter, and I lost. i lucky to have a hand. And... <clears throat> Thank God that I still have it, but um, my identity came through my confidence and my ability to work, which isn't right, but when that happened, my confidence and my ability to do things went way down. I mean, I couldn't hardly tie my shoes. I couldn't hardly do much of anything because of how they had to support it, and so when my confidence went down, my identity, per se, went down. And what I thought I was able to do. And then, so I get, I, my hand gets back to normal as much as it can be. And I go back to work. I start regaining a little bit of confidence, a little bit, kind of, you know, I'm able to work again. I'm, re- I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to go back at it. And then I start working um, full time in the summer, in August, and I tear my shoulder up. I was moving too much concrete, and my body couldn't handle it. And then, <clears throat> so I worked with it, tore up for probably three months. And then in December, I, I couldn't raise my arm above my head. I couldn't pick anything up over 10 pounds with my hand, with my arm. But during that three months, I was able to get confidence in my ability to push through the pain and be able to continue to go to work and do my job and do it to the best of my ability. And then so when I, when I physically couldn't move it anymore, I went to the doctor, um, Whitman, and he's a naturopath doctor. He realigned your muscles and joints without having to do any major surgery. And so that's what, that's what they did, and I continued working. 
and I probably I worked till January, and he told me your your shoulder's not going to heal if you don't quit if you don't stop working. So I had to stop working for a month. I took a month off, and then so my, again my confidence went down. It spiraled downhill, and so did my identity, and it kind of it sent me into a spiral. In that few months, I didn't really know where I was at. I didn't know who I was in the Lord. I didn't. I just I, I I didn't know I was in a funky place, and so due to some help parenting helping, I was able to regather some of that identity. <laughs> <coughs> and so after after all that, um, the Lord gave me the scripture. It is through Him that we live and function, and we have our identity. Just as our own poets have said, our lineage comes from Him. So, our identity, okay, so, eh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Confidence is like an emotion to me. It's, it, it can go up and down depending on circumstances, depending on how, how things are going, depending on what's going on, your confidence can go up and down. And so, your identity comes from the Lord, so it's supposed to be steadfast, it's supposed to be constant, it's, it's solid in Him. And so, your confidence is supposed to go through your identity. And so that way, when your confidence goes down, you're able to go back to your identity and be like, no, this is who the Lord says I am. This is what the word says. I'm a spotless bride. I'm his child. And then we go to that scripture. We live and function through him. That is what the word says about me. And your confidence is restored. <clears throat> and then, so it's like an emotion. When they asked me to speak, it w the first thought that came to my mind was, there's somebody else that can do it. There's somebody else that's better at doing this. There's, it, I, I, they don't really need me. They'll, they'll handle it. And so that those thoughts probably went on for about five minutes, and the Lord stopped me right there and goes, Nathan, they picked you to speak. You get up there and you share what I've given you. And so I was like, all right, but he said, no, no buts. This is what I have for you. This is what I want you to do. And so I talked to him a few minutes about it. And came to the conclusion that he was right. Shocker. Um, <laughs> and so I, I um, yeah, he, he won. I'm up here now. So, <clears throat> okay, so we're doing this book um, on Thursday nights. It's called Victorious Emotions. That's right. And it talks about how getting control of your emotions. And so... When I said confidence is like an emotion, um, okay, so the book's against negativity. And we did that negativity fast. Well, if you're in that negative negativity's place, you're, you find yourself thinking negative, and so your confidence goes down a lot more. I found myself in that place, and that's what that, that was a negative, negative mindset that whenever I thought those thoughts, and the Lord stopped me. And so it, it was a thing of, okay, so how do I, how do I get out of this? And he, he, he told me again, he gave me that scripture that I just read, the Acts 17 through 28, that you live and function through me, so your identity is in me. So you go back to that, and you stop being negative, and you go back to him, and you're able to get that positive mindset and start working through it again. <clears throat> 
and then you know whenever i got back from korea we talked i talked about sonship and so that sonship is another form of identity and i didn't realize it then but the lord had been was working on the identity and confidence since then and so when i shared on the sonship <clears throat> it was it was eye opening once i got once i got to this place and i was writing this out it was a thing of He's been working on me with this since last May. And I'm just now realizing that this is this is what he had for me. Um Yeah. And that's that's what I've got. That's what I've got for y'all today. <laughs> All right, I'm going to share an identity today, too, and I'm going to begin by reading part of um, the book Victorious Emotions because it just goes really good with what I'm going to share on today. And um, But just so you know, I had never read this book before I wrote the sermon. I added the parts from the book in last, so I just thought they went good together. All right, so this is part of Chapter 3 out of Victorious Emotions, and Wendy Backlund is the one who wrote the book. All right. In order to break the cycle of negative thoughts, we must first understand the difference between facts and conclusions. In Numbers 13, the facts, uh, the fact was that giants were inhabiting the promised land. All 12 spies agree agreed on this fact and yet came up with two completely different conclusions about the giants. Ten spies said the giants were really big, and it would be impossible to defeat them. The other two spies, Joshua and Caleb, agreed that the, the giants were big, but they said they could easily defeat the giants because the giants were their bread. One conclusion was based on the unrenewed human perspective. The other conclusion was based on the promises of God and his ability, ability to supernaturally perform what was promised. Faith is not being in denial of the facts. It is having an ability to see the facts through, through the reality of God's faithfulness and supernatural ability to perform what he has promised. Living in the kingdom of God means living in a brand new reality. Our new reali reality is that the natural realm is subject to the realm of God and his word. When we have renewed our mind with God's word, we will see the same facts others see, but like Joshua and Caleb, come up with a different conclusion. However, an unrenewed mind will always keep coming up with the same conclusions. It is stuck like a broken rec record that keeps repeating the same phrases over and over again. And an unrenewed brain will rehearse all the facts that seem to substantiate these conclusions. When this happens, we are, in effect, using the facts to challenge God's promises or word. This reveals that we believe the natural facts are more powerful than God's word. Our conclusions about the facts are always based on which realm we believe has the most power and influence in our lives. If we want to be led by the triumphant thoughts of God, we have to have a renewed mind that sees a different outcome from what our natural mind is accustomed to seeing. We must see with supernatural vision. To see with supernatural vi vision, we must submit our imagination to God. For many of us, we can only imagine or see what has happened in the past. We use past experiences to calculate and imagine our potential future. However, to have triumphant emotions, we will need to imagine something we have never seen before. Um, let me see. 
Um, the def and then I wanted to um, explain the definition of identity from the Webster's New World Dictionary. And it says, who or, or what a person or thing is, the fact of being oneself or itself and none other. I believe that the most important thing about identity is loving yourself the way you are right now, not believing that soon you'll change and become perfect. What I mean by perfect is becoming different, better, your own view view of perfect compared to the way you are right now. The reason I'm talking about loving yourself is because I feel strongly that it's important to love yourself. And I believe all of us have different battles. Sometimes our battles might be we uh, don't love ourselves or it might be something completely different than that. But there's always victory for the battles we face. And then I'm gonna read 1 John 3, 1 and 2. Um, this is out of the Passion Translation. Look with wonder at the depth of the far Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. Beloved, we are God's children right now. However, it is not yet apparent what we will become, but we do know that when it is fully made visible, we will be just like him, for we will see him as he truly is. The reason I chose to speak on this is because Nathan wanted to share an identity, and I believe we all have a journey to become secure in ourselves. Um, some examples of perfect for me were, once I learned to always fix my hair and make it perfect, I'll love myself. I realized when I was younger, maybe a couple of years ago, that I didn't think of myself as pretty unless I wore makeup. I'd wear makeup and feel pretty, but feel ugly when it wasn't on my face anymore. That was how I viewed myself, and because of that, I found myself viewing others the same way. I judged them just like I judged myself, which is awful, but it's how messed up my views were. First um, John 4.16 says, We have come into an intimate experience with God's love, and we trust in the love he has for us. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God, and God lives through them. I began to realize that this was a problem. I had to stop judging myself and others. I had to learn to love myself with or without makeup, just as I was. And Galatians 5.26 through 20, uh, sorry, 5.25 through 26 says, we must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him. So may we never be arrogant or look down on, on another, for each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the values of, other, of others. It took time, but eventually my mindset completely changed. I now have no problem if someone sees me without makeup. In fact, I usually choose only a few days a week to wear it. Uh, I love wearing makeup, but it doesn't define me. It doesn't make me beautiful. I already am. Um, lately, I've had my face break out bad, and it never has broken out this bad before. Even though it's done this, I've been secure in my identity and not felt one bit ugly. Um, I do use makeup to cover it up sometimes, but that's only because I like to wear makeup, not because I feel a need to hide something. This is something I would have been ashamed of before, but I no longer feel shame in that area. And Colossians 3, 12 and 15 says, You are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourselves with the virtues of God, since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others, and be compassionate, showing kindness toward all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Um, let your heart always be guided by peace of the anointed one who called you to be peace as a part of his body, and always be thankful. And then I'm going to read another scripture, and this is 1 Thessalonians 1.4. Dear brothers and sisters, you are dearly loved by God, and we know that he has chosen you to be his very own. 
Um, I think that identity is key to success. If you want to do well in life and you just enjoy life, you have to know who you are. It's important to love yourself because if you don't love yourself the way you are, the way you were created, then it will be harder than it should to love others. Um, for me, I've been learning so much about myself, and I've been learning to speak positively and think positively. Um, Proverbs 16.20 says, One skilled in business discovers prosperity, but the one who trusts in God is blessed beyond belief. First um, John 2.20-21 says, But the Holy One has anointed you, and you all know the truth. So I'm writing you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and no lie belongs to you. Um, I'm going to read out of the book, Switch on Your Brain, by Dr. Caroline Leaf. Um, this is part of Chapter 12, and it's called Imagining Builds Physical Thoughts. Um, research has shown that mental practice, imagination, visualization, deep thought, and reflection produces the same physical changes in the brain as would physically carrying out the same imagined processes. We see this in the Bible. Nothing they have imagined they can do will be impossible for them. Genesis 11.6. Brain scans show that parts of the brain activated by action are the same parts of the brain activated by simply thinking about an action. This sheds new depths of understanding for the scripture. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Rehearsing things mentally is a great everyday example of how you can think and more deeply reflect on daily actions because each time you do this, you change the memory. For example, if a surgeon is about to perform an operation, he first mentally rehearses each precise step, as would an athlete before a game or a student about to take an exam. As you mentally rehearse it, the newly built memory becomes increasingly stronger and begins to grow more connections to neighboring nerve cells, integrating that thought into other patterns. This leads to automization. All right, and then I'm going to read Proverbs 17:8. Wise instruction is like a costly gem. It turns the impossible into success. Um, something I've learned to do as, is to ask Jesus what he thinks of me, what he sees. I do this often. This is something so good to do when you feel down or feel ugly. Because, yes, sometimes I have to fight the lies. But the, li um, but the lies do not define me anymore. My identity is defined by God, by who he says I am. I used to be so worried by what others thought of me because of the insecurity I used to have. The truth for me and you is our circumstances, other people's opinions, and the lies that try to overcome us in our minds have no right to us. The truth has to be what defines us. Um, I know for myself that Jesus defines who I am. Nothing else has or will have that power over me. Um, I'm going to read the book uh, Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Caroline Leaf, and this is out of Chapter 1 and it's called Thinking Activates Genes. Um, everyday scientists are discovering the precise pathways by which changes in human consciousness produces changes in our brains and bodies. Our consciousness, um, this phenomenal gift from God to be able to think, activates our genes and changes our brains. Science shows that our thoughts with their um, embedded feelings turn sets of genes on and off in complex relationships. We take facts, experiences, and the events of life and assign the meaning to them with our thinking. 
We may have a fixed set of genes in our chromosomes, but which of these genes are active and how they are active has a great deal to do with how we think and process our experiences. Our thoughts produce words and behaviors, which in turn stimulate more thinking and choices that could build more thoughts in an endless cycle without positive feelings. So the takeaway here is that when we operate in our normal love design, which is being made in God's image, Genesis 1:26, we are able to change the shape of our DNA for the better. So when we take a poor quality um, decision, so when we make a poor quality decision, when we choose to engage talk Toxic thoughts, for example, unforgiveness, bitterness, irritation, or feelings of not coping, we change the DNA and subsequent genetic expression, which then changes the shape of our brain wiring in a negative direction. This immediately puts the brain into protection mode, and the brain translates these poor quality, toxic thoughts as negative stress. This stress then manifests in our bodies. But the most exciting part of the study was the hope it demonstrated, because the positive attitude, the good choice, rewired everything back to the original healthy positive state. These scientists basically proved we can renew our minds. All right, and then this is out of, I'm going to read out of that book again, Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Caroline Leaf, and this is also out of chapter one, and it's called Thinking Changes Our DNA. Um, taking this to a deeper level, research shows that DNA actually changes shape according to our thoughts. As you think those negative thoughts about the future, the week ahead, what a person might say or do, even in the absence of the concrete um, actual thing, that toxic thinking will change your brain wiring in a negative direction and throw your mind and body in distress. According to Dr. Herbert Benson, MD, president of Harvard Medical School's Mind Body Institute, negative thinking leads to stress, which affects our body's natural healing captivities. Toxic thinking wears down the brain. The Institute of Heart Math, an internationally recognized nonprofit research organization that helps people reduce stress, discusses an experiment titled Local and Non-Local Effects of Heart Frequencies um, and Changes of DNA. This study showed that thinking and feeling anger, fear, and frustration caused DNA to change shape according to thoughts and feelings. The DNA responded by tightening up and becoming shorter, switching off many of the DNA codes, which reduced quality expression. So we feel shut down by negative emotions, and our body feels this too. But here's the great part. The negative shutdown or poor quality of the DNA codes was reversed by feelings of love, joy, appreciation, and gratitude. The researchers also found that HIV-positive patients who had positive thoughts and feelings had 300,000 times more resistance to the disease than those without positive feelings. Okay, um, hopefully this message encouraged everyone. I felt like I was supposed to share something that I've had victory in to give you hope if you are struggling with some of the same things. Um, whatever you might be facing or struggling with, don't give up. Don't quit. Jesus always has good. There is always hope. Um, Luke one thirty seven says, Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Um, to, in to end this message... I have some declarations, and then after, um, Azariah has something he's going to share, too. Um, so if you would all repeat after me. I am royalty. I am loved. I know who I am. My identity is defined by God. 
And now, Ezra, you're up. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I was uh, forced to do this. <laughs> uh, but I consented. After mom threatened to beat me. <laughs> Whew. Yeah, with a stick. <laughs> so, um, so this was a struggle for me to uh, come up with uh, what God's been doing with me, just because uh, I don't know why. But uh, after I began to think about it, I just started to think about what He's done with me in the past and how He's worked on my heart and the way I thought about myself. And so it's sort of more like a testimony for me. So. Lucky you. <laughs> um, so I used to be like really nervous, like talking in front of people at all. And honestly, it might be a little obvious now. I actually feel pretty comfortable just talking in front of people. I I have a lot of confidence now. I think. Um, so I used to struggle with my self-image like big time, and I didn't even really know it until I began to have people telling me about how I treated them and other people. And it was coming out as very negative towards other people. And I didn't mean it that way. Didn't really realize I was that way. But that's the way it was because that's the way I looked at myself. I'm, I still deal with that a little bit, but I I feel very confident in myself now. And uh, so, uh, I need to pause for a second. <laughs> um, so I ended up getting prayer with my mom and dad and uh, I think Mamaw and Papa and some other people a couple, several times. And it began to get a lot of inner healing and not even realizing that uh, uh, the way I felt about myself and the way I looked at myself was coming out towards other people like that in negative, in negative ways. And uh, woo, I'm, I'm, I'm losing track of where I'm going with this. But... Um, <laughs> So I, I got a lot of prayer and stuff, and I began to get healing and stuff, and I began to realize how much God loved me. And uh, just I need to read my notes. Well, I didn't take any good notes, but that's great. <laughs> um. So I, g I got a lot of prayer and stuff and began to get a lot of healing. And uh, so one of the biggest things I, I struggled with was looking at myself like I was worthless and like I didn't, I didn't deserve what I had or whatever. And uh, as I got healing and stuff for that, I began to change. And I think my brothers and sisters can tell the most that I've began to change and I still am changing, but... Uh, it was, it's been an awesome journey for me and just getting to see the way it used to be to now how it is just uh, with uh, how I used to treat them and how I'm beginning to, I mean, I'm not perfect, <laughs> definitely not perfect, but uh, I'm, I'm a lot nice. Let's just say I'm a lot nicer than I used to be. <laughs> um, but one of the one of the things was uh, uh, 
just a minute. I am I'm struggling with my thoughts here. Um I don't have like any like scriptures written out. I'm not like fancy like that cuz uh I don't know why. I didn't think of that until I got here. I was like, "Oh crap, didn't get didn't get any scriptures script scriptures." I'm not all fancy this morning. So uh so I pretty much just wanted to my testimony was that the the all the healing that God's brought in my brought to me in my heart that I could actually accept myself as I am and I'm actually I actually enjoy who I am. I didn't I never used to like my voice singing and I used I used to absolutely hate it. And that's why I started rapping in the first place. And <laughs> and uh but then I actually, I actually enjoy it a lot now, and <laughs> not to be cocky or anything, I just, I, I just enjoy hearing myself, and, um, <laughs> um, and that was just one of the things that God's brought healing into my heart, that I can accept who I am, and uh, I feel like God's also, uh, as I've done that, as, as he's brought healing into my heart, I feel like he's, uh, given me like the gift of uh making other people feel loved around me now and that as as people are around me that they can begin to receive uh a love for themselves too as well and i think that comes with everybody who uh comes into a place where they begin to accept who they are that other people around them that struggle with that begin to uh accept who they are as well and begin to feel more confident in themselves and uh I think that's all I had, but it was just sort of a testimony, so there you go. <laughs>
um, John 15, 4 and 5, and then 7 and 9. I'm going to kind of jump around on them. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine, and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. And then down to verse 7. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. And when your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. So we've been talking a lot about um, a lot about fighting. I don't know. I'm going to try and make this make sense. Fighting defensively compared to offensively, like the enemy attacks you with a negative thought, and then you're like almost on the run in that moment. You're like, no, that's not the truth. God said this. God said this. God said this. Instead of like before that thought even comes, being like, Psh, I already know the truth be quiet, I'm moving on. And um, I think um, I think it's so important to get that. And I, I thought the thing about abiding that was speaking to me was that I feel like I've been in a place where it's been easy, not because I've physically been busy, I have been, but mentally I've been busy. And there's just, I'm getting ready to have a baby, obviously. And I've just been like in this mode of preparing and getting things like done and blah, blah, blah. I have a toddler I'm trying to potty train. Pray for me. And I've just been, I just have felt busy. And so I think a lot of times I've thought I'm abiding in the morning. I have this special 30 minutes to an hour where I abide in Jesus. And then I step out of abiding and I go do my day. And it's been a bad habit I've gotten into. And I think that the Lord's drawing me back into the place of abiding of like, no, this is a constant communion that I'm in with him. And it's a discipline. It's a choice. It's a moment by moment, everyday thing. And the thing, the core thing that he's really been um, driving into me is believing in his goodness. Because I think a lot of times I struggle with feeling when things look discouraging or there's something that I've been believing for, for what I feel like is a while, and I'm not seeing it, or maybe I'm seeing the opposite, and I can start feeling really discouraged, but it's because I haven't convinced myself in my heart and in my mind how good he really is. And... (laughs) I didn't think I would cry. I felt really strong. (laughs) Anyway, um, but I feel like a lot of times that um, that's just been my core thing is that I can get discouraged because I haven't believed with everything in me that he's good. And so the same day he was just kind of showing me this stuff, I ended up reading um, in Acts 16 in double check my scriptures it's Acts 16 23 through 26 and um it's a story of where Paul and Silas were thrown in the prison but they worshiped instead of getting discouraged but I just I love kind of some of the language of it so I wanted to read it and expand on it after they were severely beaten they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them securely So the jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and had their feet bound and chained. Okay, so 
in your life, have you ever felt like you've been beaten unjustly? Not literally, obviously, people. Use our imaginations. Spiritually, you just feel like you've been beat up and you feel like you're locked away all alone and like you just feel like, dear God, where are you? And you feel like your feet, your forward motion has been chained up and you're like, what is going on? So Paul and Silas are in this literal situation. They've literally been beaten. They've literally been thrown in prison. They've literally been had their feet bound and chained. And they are undaunted. And I love what undaunted means. It means not intimidated or discouraged by difficulty, danger, or disappointment. They remained undaunted because they had already convinced themselves of the goodness of God, and they chose to fight the offensive battle. They prayed in the middle of the night, and they sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. They weren't in there like, dear God, come save us. Jesus, we love you. Haven't you seen how good we've been for you? We just got beaten for you. They decided they were going to glorify him because he was worthy of it and he was good. And he was going to be faithful to get them out of their mess. And he was. Suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. And at once, every prison door flung open and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. And I feel like I've... I hope this isn't a horse I'm beating to death because I've said it before when I've shared. But I think our moments of choosing to be undaunted, of choosing to be convinced of his goodness, will fling wide the gates of other people's prison doors. And um, let me share something else. Okay, I think I'm just going to read this part real quick. Abiding is a continual choice to come to the Father to let his love nourish and convince us of his goodness and faithfulness. Jesus said continually, let my love nourish your hearts. It's all day long. It's all night long. Jesus, we let, our, we let your love nourish our hearts continually. I choose to bring my heart back into abiding to let you nourish my heart, to let you convince me of the truth. Letting his words live in and fill us will cause us to walk powerfully. Our fruit will show that the enemy cannot discourage us. For the lens we look through will be influenced by the goodness of our Father, and it, will, it can't be changed. That's the fruit of living and abiding, that it, we are completely influenced by the goodness of who he is. Every situation, whether it be the bad, the good, or the ugly, will be influenced through the lens of his goodness. And anyway, that's just something that I feel like he's kind of working on me in, and um, I'm really thankful that he is. <laughs> but um, I think I, I'll go ahead and read this thing out of this book real quick. It's really short, but I have five minutes, so I'll do it really, really quick. Um, this is a book called You Are Free by Rebecca Lyons. It's a good book. It's just, um, it's kind of uh, just about like her emotions and her being free to be in her own journey with the Lord. And it's just really sweet. And I was reading it yesterday morning and we were doing our devotions and I was like trying not to bawl while I was reading it. Anyway, it was, it's a good book. Anyway, um, so she was in a, in a vineyard um, in Israel. She was on a trip to Israel and she was just walking around and she saw a gray barber canopied with vines. Upon looking closer, I noticed a leaf torn almost in two. 
At the bottom of the leaf, a green vine had wrapped itself in a ball around the torn part, binding the tear and holding the leaf closely against itself. And um, that really ministered to her because it um, related to something that the Lord had been speaking to her. And so she ran to gather the rest of my group to show them this gift of analogy. Our guide, Ari, I don't know if that's how you say it, joined us with bright eyes, his zeal for a teachable moment palpable. He shared that whenever a vine touches something, its nature is to begin wrapping itself around the object, making them one. And I just think that's cool. I think that's what Paul and Silas did. They attached themselves to the vine, and the vine wrapped himself around them. And I think that's the, the beauty of abiding, is that we call out to the vine, and he comes and wraps himself around us and makes our thoughts his thoughts, our emotions his emotions. It's the actual literal nature of the vine. And Jesus took a lot of time to explain to us how he was a vine for us. And I just, I really think that's beautiful and just something to meditate on as you abide. Okay. Everybody, do we want to stand and pray or are you going to? Okay. Thank you for listening to this message. Do you